presents a little holiday story. One Christmas Eve, Santa Claus got an unexpected gift of his own. What in the name of Sam Hill? 30 years later... Let's recite the code of the elves, shall we? The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Buddy's discovering who he really is. You're not like the rest of us. I was sure when you cracked six feet that it would come up. My bad. You're not an elf. Now, he's taking a journey to find the family he's never known in a place where he finally fits in. Boy. And nothing's going to stop him. Your car's pretty. Will Ferrell is Elf. Hey, what's your name? Does someone need a hug? <laughs> well, hey, Heritage, how are we? All right, let's try that again. How are we doing, Heritage? Well, hey, it is great to be here. What is up with the 60-degree weather? Any fans out there? Yeah, this is awesome, awesome, awesome. But listen, don't be fooled. Christmas is here in T-minus two weeks, right? T-minus two weeks, Christmas is here. So let me be one of the first to simply say Merry Christmas to those of you here at Rock Island, those of you at Bettendorf and joining us online. Merry Christmas. Welcome to all of you. Uh, I am excited that you are here today. My name's Justin. I'm part of the ministry team here, and I am thrilled to have the opportunity to lean together into the Word of God today. So I hope you're ready. We are going to cover a lot of Scripture. Um, and I got to tell you, I have loved this Christmas at the movie series. I have absolutely loved it. A couple weeks ago, when we unpacked the reality that we all are misfits, it really helped me answer a lot of questions about some of you guys. I mean, about me. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> but I was challenged by the, the reality in which Sean said, uh, will you step boldly into your misfit moment this year? And I've really been challenged by that. And I've been praying that God would give me boldness to step into that misfit moment this year. And I hope that you've been doing the same. And last week I was really challenged just to answer the question, what am I asking God for this Christmas? What am I asking God for? What am I anticipating? And I walked out, I've actually listened to it online, I was up in Michigan, but walked out just really challenged and going, what am I believing about God? What am I asking him for? Am I trusting him? And I trust that you were challenged by some of the same things, and I encourage you, just continue to take that next bold step in, of obedience, whatever God is asking you to do. But I got to tell you, this week I am so stoked to step into one of my favorite movies of all time, not just Christmas movies, but period, uh, the movie Elf. Any fans in the room? All right, absolutely. I know there's some fans in Bettendorf. This movie is absolutely hilarious, is it not? 
I mean, I think that's why I love it so much. It's one of those movies that you watch and you get done and your side hurts. You're just laughing so hard. You know, and if you haven't seen it, you've got to see it. But there's a number of things I've kind of wrestled with. Why do I love this movie so much? Yes, it's hilarious. Maybe it's the cool elf gear that you guys see them wearing, right? Or maybe it's my infatuation as a child of just infatuated with Santa Claus and elves and, and everything that has to do with that. I mean, what other movie can you watch and find out the three jobs of an elf, right? To make shoes at night, to bake cookies in a tree, or if you've really arrived and you've climbed up the elf ladder, no matter how tall it is, all right, that you can make toys in Santa's toy shop. Awesome. So you can find out the roles of an elf, and you, not only that, but the top secret code of the elves. You guys remember this? The first one, treat every day like it's Christmas, all right? There's always room on the, on the nice list. And third, and probably the one that we most often will remember, is that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is what? Singing loudly for all to hear. See, you got it. I mean, this movie is awesome. Awesome. Now, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. And if it's been a while, let me catch you up just a little bit, up to speed on what the movie Elf is about. It starts in a, in a room, in an orphanage, an empty room with a number of cribs. And we see this caregiver take this gorgeous little boy, place him in the crib, puts up the side of the crib, which, by the way, is illegal now. Hopefully you don't have one of those. All right. And looks at this baby boy and says, maybe you'll have a home next Christmas. And then as she exits the room, guess who comes down the chimney? Santa Claus, right? Santa comes down, first his sack, and then the big man himself. He gets down, brushes himself off, and while he is feeding his face with milk and cookies, this cute little baby goes and gets in the sack. And the next thing you know, Christmas is over. Santa and his elves are celebrating, and that same sack begins to rustle, and this little baby crawls out. Now listen, I have a six-month-old baby, so I know if that baby was in that sack for that long, that there was some diaper business to be tended to. You guys know what I'm talking about? All right, but they didn't say anything about that. But what they did do is they looked at this little baby, and on the label of his diaper, it said, Little Buddy's Diapers. And you know what they named him? Buddy, right? This poor kid was named after the diaper on his bottom. All right, I don't know if you caught that little detail. Um, but anyways, what happens is we kind of begin to look at Buddy, the first human in an elf lair in his journey there. He has some challenges, doesn't fit, can't keep up with the elves in the toy room, gets kind of delegated to the special place where elves go to check on toys, make sure they're working. But then something happens that radically changes Buddy's life. He overhears two elves, disgruntled elves, who are kind of having to carry the, the weight, so to speak, because Buddy is not able to do it. And they hear him say, if Buddy hasn't figured out he's a human by now, he never will. And Buddy's life is turned upside down. You see, in that moment, in the moments that would come, he'd find out that he wasn't an elf, that he was adopted, that his father fell in love with the beautiful Susan Wells, right? And she became pregnant, had the baby, put him up for adoption, and since mom has passed away, dad never knew who he was. And then he finds out that his dad is in this magical land, this fairy tale land called... New York City. New York City. Now, Buddy's life is just completely turned upside down. He has this moment where he's just miserable, and he interacts with the snowman out in the snow, and this is what the snowman tells him. He says, hold on, Buddy. Perhaps this is the golden opportunity for you to find out who you really are. So the movie is awesome. He goes to New York City, and in the process of meeting his dad, he shows off his incredible snowball fighting skills, all right? Falls in love with the love of his life, and yes, he even saves Santa Claus and saves Christmas. 
So there's a lot of things that we can engage as a church as we look at the movie Elf. You know, one of them could be do the things you love. There's a moment when, when Buddy says, I'm going to make snow, uh, snow angels for two hours, and then I'm going to go ice skating, and then I'm going to eat a whole roll of Toll House cookie dough, and then I'm going to snuggle, right? We could talk about doing things that we love. We could talk about the importance of showing affection. In fact, right where you're at, will you just turn to the person next to you and say, does somebody need a hug? Will you do that right where you're at? Okay, stop, stop, stop. This is really, this is getting awkward, all right? If you're new at Heritage, we don't always do this. And so if this happens out in the lobby, I apologize. Man, you guys are really hugging it up. This is good. We are not going to talk about that today. (laughs) But what we are going to talk about is maybe that week today we're going to take the advice of that snowman. When he looked at Buddy and he looks at us and says, maybe today is the golden opportunity for us to lean into and to find out who we really are as followers of Jesus. And so as we do that today, can I ask you one question? What are you placing your identity in this Christmas? What are you placing your identity in this Christmas? Now, I know many different things are coming to mind. It's kind of a difficult question to answer. But most likely, the things that you identified are fulfilling one of three desires that we have just kind of hardwired into us, all right? The first is we have the desire to belong. Everyone in this room has the desire to belong, to to be part of something. We also have the desire to be safe, not just physically, but to be safe in that environment. In other words, when we find a place to belong, that if we step out of line or maybe we have a disagreement, that we're not going to be kicked to the curb and kicked out of this environment that we're finding our belonging, right? And we also have the desire to have value, and not just to have value, but to add value to other people, to be part of something bigger than ourselves. We all have those, and inherently, they're not bad. In fact, I think God has wired us when he created us with those desires. But the key is that the very things that we seek to fulfill these desires ultimately can become the things that define our identity. And that's where the challenge lies, because there's really two ways for us to fulfill those desires and ultimately speak into our identity. The first would have been kind of the rat race that Buddy would have encountered in New York City or here in the Quad Cities for that matter. Now what's really cool is I reached out to Buddy and I said, hey Buddy, can you help me with this? I just need some help to help explain what some of the things you may have found. Bad news is Buddy wasn't available. All right, but check this out. Buddy sent his right-hand man pudding peppermint. All right, hold on a second. It's really important we get his name right because in a minute I'm going to invite him out here but he gets kind of ornery if we mess his name up, okay? So everybody say Puddin. Puddin, P-U-D-D-I-N apostrophe, all right? Puddin, Puddin, Peppermint. All right, Puddin, Peppermint. All right, so do me a favor, give Puddin, Peppermint a warm heritage welcome. Come on, guys. Hey, friend. Hi, buddy. It is so great to have you here. And on behalf of Heritage Church, we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for wearing shorts over your tights today. All right? (laughs) Thank you so much. I have learned that you do not make fun of your supervisor the weekend of Elf Christmas. (laughs) But I also know you are behind this. And my favorite Christmas principle is that what goes around comes around, Justin. (laughs) So (laughs) just look forward to that. 
Yeah, well, let's not talk anymore about that, Jeremiah. I mean, pudding. <laughs> pudding. And so over the last couple hours and last couple days, really, uh, Puddin and I have had the opportunity to sit and to kind of talk yeah. about what are some of the things that we in our culture here in the U.S. tend to try to fill our identity with, to fulfill some of these desires. And so we came up with a couple things, and Puddin, believe it or not, I bought some prop, or got some props for us. Fantastic. And I'm going to let you hold on to and kind of keep close to your heart to remember okay. your visit here. So the first thing is that a lot of times we, we find our identity in some of the abilities that we've acquired, right? It could be the abilities we've acquired, the education that we've received. And so this certificate here is just a, a kind of a representation, uh, Puddin, of the, the satisfaction that, we, that I have satisfied some, uh, um, some of the requirements of ordination as a pastor. And so just kind of a, uh, an example of what we find our identity and we talk about our abilities, our education. And now listen, once we've acquired these abilities, hopefully we have some victories along the way, right? We do some things well. And so I brought something here, Puddin, just Puddin. a little trophy. Puddin. Puddin. Did I mess that up? No, I'm sorry. that's great. That's I'm fantastic. sorry about that. All right. So this trophy, just symbolizing a lot of times we try to find our identity in fulfilling the desire to be wanted and to belong and by trying to accomplish some things and then point back to the reality of, look what I did. Now, if we do that enough, eventually we kind of acquire a position. We get this position and power and, and kind of this reputation, so to speak. And then as we climb the ladder, eventually we start to maybe make some more money and we can buy a nice little house, right? A nice house and we can have a nice home and, you know, big house with, with shutters and maybe this time of year we have Christmas lights on it and we can show it all off so that we can show others, listen, look what we've achieved, look who I am, look what I have. Now what's also cool is if we climb that ladder enough, we can get some pretty cool toys. Now, Puddin, I have something for you today. You are going to love this. I am so are you ready for this? Yeah. Are oh, you ready man. for me to preach sometime? Because <laughs> I'm going to need a prop too. Yeah. When are you preaching Justin? next? Uh, it's in January sometime. Oh, believe it or not, I'm off the whole month of January <laughs> on vacation. Fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's not going to happen. It's good. All right. So, Puddin, check this out, buddy. <laughs> Don't hold back. Go ahead and okay. grab a seat. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll just navigate this with all of your stuff here. That's... You see, if we climb the ladder enough, well done. This is great. This is great. All right. If we climb the ladder enough, we get enough money. We can get some toys that, man, once we get those, we're going to feel really good about ourselves. And others can take a look at I feel great about myself right now. <laughs> great. I don't even know what to say. I'm kind of lost at the moment. You were in the middle of humiliating me. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> So anyways, one way that we fulfill these desires is we try to acquire stuff. We point to our abilities, right? We think if we get enough toys, then we'll, be, then we'll be accepted, that we'll have value, that we'll have prestige, that we'll have reputation. And see, what happens, though, is that in any one moment, any of these things can be taken away. Our house, maybe we have a, an emergency, our house is on fire, or maybe we lose our job and we can no longer pay the bills, and next thing you know, we lose our home, we lose this place that we've grown to love. The car, if you're like me, these deer around here tend to jump out, all right? And maybe you get in a car accident, you hit a deer, and now this car that was so valuable is no longer this nice, beautiful piece that you have. You know, the trophies gr grown, you know, get dusty, the certificates end up being filed away and, uh, and obsolete, and you find yourself with nothing, with nothing. And you see what happens is, I've heard this kind of this, this principle in the business world that where there is a lack of clarity, there's anxiety. 
And so what happens when we try to find our identity in this stuff, this stuff that at any moment can be taken away and changed, we live in a consistent life of anxiety, wondering, i got to hold on to what I have because that's who I am. And so, Puddin, I was wondering, one last thing before you come. Thanks again. I know you got a lot going on in Santa's shop. Mm-hmm. But would you just sit right here on the end of the stage? We're kind of we're kind of wanting a live elf on the shelf. So, <laughs> I feel like that would get weird after about ten seconds. So, I, I think it's already gotten weird, buddy. Okay, well, I'm gonna head off. But I look forward to seeing you in the office tomorrow. All right. Absolutely, I can't wait. I can't wait. Will you get put in the hand, please? Fantastic. Jeremiah is a good sport, but feel free to stop him in the lobby at either location. Just put in Peppermint. He really loves that name. And so make sure that sticks this Christmas. <laughs> so there's two ways. One, we can find our identity and fulfill those desires in this stuff. Or the second is, if you placed your faith in Christ, you can lean into the reality that God has made our identity very clear. In fact, if you walk out of here this weekend with one thing, I want you to remember this, all right, is that our identity isn't found in what we have or do. Notice the word we. Our identity isn't found in what we have or what we do or what we accomplish or what we acquire, but rather our identity is found in what Jesus has already done. Our identity isn't found in what we have or do. It's found in what Jesus has already done. Check out what it says about you and I. If you've placed your faith in Christ in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, even before he made the world, which was a long time ago, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Circle that word adopt in your notes, all right? Circle that word adopt. He chose in advance to adopt us into his own family, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now here's the good news. If you placed your faith in Christ, not only have your sins been forgiven and have you been made a new creation like 2 Corinthians 5 says, but you have been adopted into God's own family. And you see what that does? That's a game changer for us. Because no longer are we allowing the world and the things that have been created to define our identity, but we're saying, listen, God, you created us, and so we want you to define who we are. Who we are. Now listen, I know that when you hear this idea of a father, for some of us that, that strikes a, a painful spot in our worlds and in our lives. Because we have an earthly father that didn't measure up to what God had asked of them. They abandoned us. They hurt us. They weren't present. They didn't care about us. They didn't love us. They didn't show affection towards us. They didn't encourage us. They weren't there when we did great things. They weren't the ones that spoke life into us. In fact, they peeled the layers and destroyed us. And I want you to know today, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry, but listen, I got to tell you something. Our Heavenly Father is so much different than that earthly father. Our Heavenly Father is one who loves you, one who believes in you, one who cherishes you, one who never leaves you nor forsakes you. That's what his word says. This is a God that is deeply interested in you, deeply interested in what you are and what you're about. This is a God that can be trusted, a father that can be trusted. And so today, if you've been hurt, I want you to know the good news is is that your heavenly father is nothing like your earthly father. He can be trusted and you can say, listen, I am adopted into the family of my heavenly father. Now, the cool thing is, is this means a lot of different things for us. 
right? And we're going to lean into that because you might be going, okay, what does it mean that I'm adopted as an adopted child of God? And I want you to know there's a pastor and author by the name of Neil Anderson who kind of has three, three kind of taglines or quotes, and I left them in the first person in your notes because my hope is, is as we go through these today and you walk out of here and you look up through the outline again, that you can read, I am this, I am, I am, and just let those things saturate you as you walk into your true identity in Christ. Now, I want you to know we're going to cover a lot of scripture today. And here's why. I want you to hear what God's word says about you, not what I say about you. And so not only is there a lot of scripture in this message, but when you look at your outlines, you're going to see for further reading, there's all these scriptures. And I don't want you to get bogged down today. I just want you to simply listen and hear what God's word says about you if you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Because like Ephesians 1 says, that if you placed your faith in Christ, you are an adopted child of the Most High God. So there's a few things that that means for us, all right? So as an adopted child of God, the first thing is, I am accepted. I am accepted. Every one of us in this room and at Bettendorf and online have the desire to belong, don't we? Everyone here, we want to belong. I see it in my three-year-old son right now already seeing that he has this desire to belong, to be a part of something. And I know that it's present for us. But I got to tell you, ultimately, when we talk about our faith in Christ and being an adopted child of God, we are accepted. Listen to what some of these scriptures say in God's word. In John 1, it says this, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, in Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. Look what it says in John 15. Now, these are red letters in your Bible. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Jesus goes on to say, listen to this. Now I call you my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. It goes on to say this in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified, justified is a theological term that means just as if it never happened, just as if sin never entered your world, just as if you never stepped out of line with God's word, we have been justified through faith in Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, as an adopted child of God, you are accepted. I am accepted. We are a child of the Most High God. We are friends of Jesus. We have peace with God. And the good news is, is that our identity isn't found in what we have or what we do. It's found in what Jesus has already done. And as an adopted child of God, we are accepted. And not only are we accepted, you and I are secure. We're secure. Now, about a month ago, we had a mission team from Heritage that went to Myanmar, to Burma. You've seen it in the news in regards to their elections and some of that process. And so our team was there. We left the day before this monumental election that they just had to kind of frame this in your mind. But we as a church have supported, through your faith promise, given your faithfulness there, we have supported an orphanage by the name of Galilee Children's Home, a Bible seminary called United Bible Seminary, and we have a relationship with the national church throughout Myanmar. And so we had a team that went there, and we had a number of different things that we did. But there was one day that we spent teaching at the Bible seminary. 
And so an entire day, we taught on a number of different things, but we decided at the end that we would draw all of these students together, all the, the bachelor students and all the master students, and at the end, just kind of have like a fun Q&A time. Uh, the, our missionaries there that we support said, listen, a lot of them just have fun questions like, what's it like to be in America, and, and what is God doing in America, and some of those questions. And so our team got there, two of the guys and myself, and we were excited just to have some fun, to laugh. And what happened in that moment was anything but the easy, fun questions, They had some hard, deep, theological questions. But the underlying issue that they wrestled with was this picture of God that was a picture of an angry God, a God that had a baseball bat in his hands that was waiting for them to step out of line and not follow the the letter of the law because he was ready to hit them over the head and kick them to the curb. Now, I know some of us here maybe have that view of God as well, or we've wrestled with that at times. But I want to tell you, just like I told them, That's not an accurate picture of who our God is. The better picture is of a loving father with his arms outstretched, with tears running down his face when we step out of line and we fall into sin of saying, listen, my son, my daughter, I love you. I cherish you. You see, as uh, children of God, as adopted children of God, we are secure. We have a heavenly father that loves us and cares about us. Check out what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are secure. Look later on in Romans chapter 8. After the Apostle Paul who writes this, this is a guy who ran far away from Jesus and God transformed his life. He asked the question, what can separate us from the love of God? Listen to what it says in verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news, isn't it? You get a picture of a God who says, listen, as my adopted child, you are secure. 2 Corinthians 1 says this, says, now it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. What's that next word? Guaranteeing what is to come. You got to know today, listen, as an adopted child of God, you are accepted. I am accepted. You are secure. I am secure. Because our identity isn't found in what we have or what we do. Our identity is found in what Jesus has done. And the good news is, is listen, look at this last point. That you and I are significant. I am significant. We all have the desire to have value, to be valued, to be add value to other people, to, to be a part of some significant work. Do we not? We do. And the good news is, is that as we looked at the whole of Scripture, two things are very clear that we have exceeding, exceedingly great value in God's eyes. And he has asked us to be part of his big work. Check out some of these scriptures. Ephesians 2, verse 10 is a classic. Where it says, we are God's masterpiece. Everybody say masterpiece. Masterpiece. Created, and he created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You're his masterpiece, the one that he shows off, the the apple of his eye. If he could just show one thing off, he goes to you and says, listen, look at this man, look at this woman. He or she is my masterpiece. 
But we're not just a masterpiece to be on display, to say, hey, look at how much God cherishes us. He desires to use us. Look at what Jesus says in uh, John chapter 15. This is after he said, you know, I've not called you slaves. Now you are my friends. He continues on in verse 16 to say, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to what? Go. To go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. You see, we're God's masterpiece. We're significant in that he sees us and values us, but we're also significant because he chooses to use us, his adopted children, to represent him in the world, to go and to bear fruit. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 5. This is after he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Right? Verse 17 there. Get down to verse 20. This is what it says. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We represent him. As though God were making his appeal through us. How many of you think that's a challenging scripture there? As if God is making his appeal through us. You see this picture that God says, not only are you significant in my masterpiece, but I am choosing to make my appeal through you. You see, we are significant. Ephesians 3 says this, verse 12. In him and through faith in him and faith in Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. You see, we are significant. Our identity isn't found in what we have or what we do. Our identity is found in what Jesus has already done. And as adopted children of God, we are accepted. We are secure. And we are significant. You see, as we live in a world that is telling us that we need to acquire toys, we need to come up the ladder in, the, in the, corporate, the corporate world or we need to acquire enough stuff or get enough trophies or, or get, in, get another degree so that we can have an identity and others will think, okay, he belongs or I belong in this space and they won't kick us to the curb. And we live in a world in which we kind of have to walk on eggshells in relationships because if we step out of line or we accidentally do something that doesn't align with the group that we might be kicked to the curb. You see, we live in this world of anxiety, but the good news is if you placed your faith in Christ, you don't have to worry about that stuff. Ultimately, our identity stays intact. Do things happen around us and to us? Absolutely. Do we live in a world in which we need to work? Absolutely. God is making his appeal through us. He's given us and wired us with things. And so we want to be faithful in that. But ultimately, our identity doesn't rise and fall on those things because our identity isn't found in what we have or what we do. It's found in what Jesus has already done. And so you may ask the question, so what, right? So what, Justin? What does this mean for me? What does this have to do with anything else? And let me ask you this question. What are you finding or what are you placing your identity in this Christmas? What are you placing your identity in this Christmas? Because in order to ask, answer the so what, you've got to be able to answer this question. And so, so what, what does this mean over the last month, I've had a chance to kind of debrief and kind of just sit in what I experienced and our team experienced in Myanmar. You know, memories have flooded through my heads of interacting with some of the children that we've been a part of, of loving and encouraging and supporting over the years. And I've had a chance to, to think through some of the conversations with pastors in the north end of Myanmar who, whose congregations were devastated by the floods there in late August. I've had a chance to interact back and forth on Facebook with some of the students from the Bible Seminary and, and just thinking through and praying through some of the things that I encountered there. And there's one memory that continues to come up. One thing that really challenged me, especially as I prepared for this message today, 
And this is what it was. One night it was dark, and they have a field kind of out front of one of their children's homes. It's really just a dirt field that the kids play soccer on, you know, play soccer and games. We kind of did like a, a, a World Olympics while we were there. It was all kinds of fun. But one night at that field, on the very end, there's a small bench. Maybe two or three people could fit on it. And, and it, on that bench were two of the older girls from the orphanage. All right, their names were Susan and Moite. All right, and so... Greg and I, Greg, one of our team members that attends our Bettendorf campus, walked over there and just kind of began a conversation with them, trying to get to know them. It was early on in the trip, and, and we began that dialogue and conversation. And in the course of our conversation, I looked at Susan, and I said, Susan, what's your vision? All right, now, what's your vision would be our, kind of our equivalent of asking, what do you want to do when you grow up? Okay, so what is your vision? And so Susan looked at me, and she said, Pastor Justin, which is what they all called me. <laughs> Papa Justin was the other one. Um, but they said, she said, I want to sing. I want to share Jesus by singing throughout the country of Myanmar. And I looked at her, and if you say that to me, I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite song, right? And then I'm going to ask you to sing it. And here's what happened. For the next hour plus, Susan and Moite and Greg and I sat there on that bench and just simply worshipped our adopted father. We worshipped our heavenly father. And it started with four of us, and then more joined, and then more joined, and then more joined. And it turned out to be this worship gathering right there on the dirt field. Now, the reason I share that with you, and the reason why it challenged me, was because when I look at this, I go, Susan got it. Susan got it. Her identity as an adopted child of God, she knew she was accepted. She knew that she was secure. She knew that she was significant. Because she didn't have all the toys of the world. She didn't have the certificates and the homes and the cars and the position and the power and the prestige. In fact, Susan didn't even have parents that were there to love her and encourage her and to speak life into her world. But yet, in that moment, she said, I want to worship my adopted father, my heavenly father. And I got to tell you, that moment challenged me and it still challenges me today because of her willingness to live into her true identity, even as a child challenged me as a grown man to live into my true identity as an adopted child of God. I think we see something similar in the story of the elf, the story of Buddy. Because he was willing to intentionally live into his adopted identity. You remember his half-brother, that kind of grumpy little boy, if we're honest? <laughs> By the end of the movie, this grumpy little boy is completely transformed. He becomes, moves from a skeptic to a believer. Buddy's girlfriend, the love of his life that he ends up marrying, was kind of grumpy at the beginning too, just kind of sassy and ornery. She ends up being transformed and even at the end of the movie, stands up on a car and begins to sing so that others will join in singing, so that the, the you remember the spirit meter would raise up. And so her life is changed. People all over the world that are watching the news of what's happening in New York City begin to sing as they look at their TVs. And not only people around the world, but Buddy's own grumpy dad, the one that looked at him in the face and said, you're not my son. Even he at the end of the movie has changed and begins to walk in to his identity, to, to see, be transformed. And so when I look at Susan that night on that bench and I look at Buddy, I see this reality that you and I, as we, if we placed our faith in Christ and we're adopted children of God, if we step into and truly live into our true identity, we begin to influence other people. Because as we lived as a people who are accepted and secure and significant, the situations and circumstances that we face don't rock us. People begin to take notice and say, hey, what's, about, what's different about you? And here's the key. It's then that we can share with them the real reason for Christmas. 
the real purpose of Christmas, the meaning behind Christmas. So in all due respect, when I hear that last piece of the secret code of the elves, you know, the one that says the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing what? Loudly for all to hear. I think the movie got it wrong. And this is what I think it should say. It should say this. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is to live into your true identity this year. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is to live into your true identity this year. Because listen, Christmas isn't about Santa Claus. It's not about gifts. It's not about food as much as I love that, okay? Christmas is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And as we as his adopted children live into who we are, people stand up and they take notice. And then as we share with them the reason for Christmas, tell them about Jesus, the good news that God not only wants to forgive your sins and make you a new creation, but to adopt you into his own family, Christmas cheer begins to spread. And lives begin to be transformed. Marriages begin to be restored. Communities change. Cities transform. Entire regions transformed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the best way to spread Christmas cheer is for you and I as followers of Christ to live into our true identities this year. Will you stand with me as we close? And so some of us today, we walked into the room and we have a relationship with Jesus. And I want to ask you the question, what are you finding your identity in this Christmas? Are you chasing the stuff? Are you trying to step up the ladder so that others will love you and respect you and you can belong and be in an environment that you're secure and and show how significant you are? Or follower of Jesus today, are you saying, listen, I'm letting God, I'm letting the creator define the identity of me, his creation? And there may be one of these areas that we looked at today that you're saying, listen, I'm really struggling in that area. And that's why I put so much scripture in there. And I hope and encourage you to go back, explore those scriptures and maybe even memorize some of them. Because the moment will come when you hear this little voice that tells you, listen, they're going to reject you. You're going to be on your own. They're not going to let you stay in this. You're all alone. You don't belong. You can go, well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. I'm a child of God. I'm a friend of Jesus. I have peace with God. And then the moment go, well, listen, if you do that, nobody's going to care about you. You're not going to belong. You're going to be kicked to the curb. And you can say, hold on a second. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. The moment is like, listen, you're no good. You have no value. Hold on a second. I'm a masterpiece. Jesus has not only called me and chosen me, he's appointed me to bear fruit. I am his ambassador. I am significant. And it's a game changer in the moments when you're hearing those lies. And then for some of us today, we came through. We're skeptic. We're just kind of kicking the tires. And I got to tell you, this was a great weekend to come. Because I want you to know that there is a God, the one that, who created you, is sitting there with his arms wide open saying, I love you. I cherish you. I'm here. Come to me. Last night, we had a lady who had been in church for decades had been around the church, been around Jesus. And at the end of service in the back of our sanctuary here in Rock Island, said, you know what, for the first time, I want that. I want Jesus. And today, I am placing my faith in him. It was awesome. And so today, you might be in that place where you're saying, man, I've been kicking the tires. And my encouragement to you today is place your faith in Jesus. Because he wants to identify, he wants to speak into who you are as an adopted child of God, accepted secure and significant. There's a prayer in the back of your worship folder that you can can read and walk through. It's not magic words. It's just saying, Jesus, I need you. I believe you died on the cross and I want you to come into my world and be my Lord and my Savior. And so let's pray together today. Heavenly Father, thank you. 
Thank you that through Jesus, God, we are your adopted children. Not only, God, do you wipe away our sins and wash us clean. Not only, God, are we new creations in Christ. But thank you, God, that we can find our identity in being adopted children of God. And so, Lord, my prayer today is simple. God, I pray that we no longer fulfill our place our identities in the things that we acquire or the the things that we accomplish or do. But God, may we find our identity in what your word says about us as accepted, secure, and significant people. So God, we love you. May you use us this year. May we be people who step into our true identity so that others will take notice because God, we know the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to live into our true identity this year. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you are doing. And may we continue to walk boldly and humbly in obedience this Christmas. We love you and praise you. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you.